Good morning. Um, so, my lesson this morning, I've titled The Refiner's Fire. Um, I'd been planning this lesson basically since the beginning of the year. Um, there are a couple scriptures that I had had in mind um, and had planned to present that lesson today. And ironically, it goes very well with what we've all kind of been going through. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, tells us to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. We are to count, count it joy knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. We are to let patience have its perfect work that we, we may be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James tells us that if we are lacking wisdom, to ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him who asks. James makes sure to remind us that when we do ask, that we must do so in faith, without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. We've all heard these verses before. Um, We've all heard lessons on these verses before, but this time these verses struck me very differently over these past few weeks. I understood that trials are going to come our way. Our life isn't going to be some worry-free, smooth sailing walk in the park. It's going to be unpredictable, and at times it's going to be unforgiving. It's not going to be easy, but it's easy to say that I know trials are going to come my way. It's easy to say that I know God is going to be with me when I'm going through these trials, but it's a lot harder to say that when you're actually going through them. It's a completely different story when you're being tossed to and fro, and the waves and winds are raging around you. It's a lot harder to be joyful, and it's way more difficult to be patient when each day it seems like you're sinking deeper and deeper. We know that we, at some point in our lives, are going to be faced with situations and trials that will test our character and really put our faith in the refiner's flame. We know all of this. So then the question becomes, how does our service and our faith in our God come out of the fire? Does it come out like gold and silver, or does it come out like wood and clay? Initially, the the verses that I was clinging to that had spurred this lesson came from 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. These verses state that in a great house there are vessels of gold and silver and also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. This verse has been at the front of my mind for months, and like I said, initially it spurred on the, the lesson that I wanted to do. Uh, time went on, and I kind of leaned away from that original thought I was taking it in a different direction and then Shane had his accident last week or Monday um, and kind of brought me back to, to what I had originally wanted to, to preach on. Um, they're not very different from each other, the, the previous lesson and this one. And at the core they touch on the same themes and subjects but this one is a bit more personal and, and close to my heart. The second half of This verse in 2 Timothy speaks on cleansing ourselves from the latter, from the dishonor, from that wooden clay, and being sanctified and useful for the master, for God, for every good work. Originally, I wondered, how does God decide what vessels are honorable and dishonorable? How does God work in our lives to ensure that we're cleansing cleansing ourselves of the clay and the wood in order to be sanctified and to be useful for him? I've been looking at how God tests our faith through trials and refines us in order to be more acceptable before him. And again, at at the core of this lesson is very similar, if not the same as the one I had planned, but 
again, it's just more personal now and a bit closer to what we've all been experiencing, experiencing recently. We're all going to go through trials and difficulties. We all face obstacles, hurdles, battles, and all kinds of dilemmas as we go through life. They all vary in range, and they're all different. And at times, it feels like the most difficult thing that we've ever had to go through. These moments can last days, weeks, months, and even years. And we're constantly battling through fields of problems and obstacles, big and small. As Andrew just read from um, Psalm 66, verses 10 through 12, in this psalm, we hear of how God tests us. He refines us as silver is refined. He brings us into the net and allows affliction and hurdles to fall before us. And through all these things, God brings us out to rich fulfillment. We can look at Psalm 50, 14, verses 14 to, to 15. And this verse says that if we turn to God and offer thanksgiving and we pay vows to him and call upon him in trouble, he will deliver us. This verse is very comforting to me, but at the same time, it's not to say that it's not going to take time. After all, in whose time are our prayers answered? Is it our time? No. It's in God's time. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, refer to God as a refiner's fire and launderer's soap. He's a purifier and a refiner of souls. God purges us and sanctifies us. He refines us and cleanses us as gold and silver are refined and cleansed. And for what purpose does God refine and purify us? He does it so that we can offer to him an offering of righteousness. So that we can more perfectly serve him. If we look at Psalm 51, David asks for a clean heart and steadfast spirit within him. He asks to be restored to the joy of his salvation and to be upheld by God's generous spirit. In verse 16, David knows that God does not desire sacrifice or physical, worldly gestures. God desires a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God desires us to earnestly approach him with all love and thankfulness that we can offer him. He desires us to approach him with a full understanding of his authority and in obedience to him. If we look at Jeremiah 7-23, to in this context, Jeremiah is telling the people that they're doing exactly the opposite of what God has commanded. And God says and reminds his people that he commanded his people to obey his voice and to walk in all the ways that he commanded so that it may be well with us. God allows us to go through trials and afflictions in life so that he may test us. God not only hopes that we turn to him, he expects us to do so. God has provided so much and we are so undeserving of his mercy, his love, and his son And all he asks is that we obey his voice and walk in his ways. He wants our faith in him and our love and service to him to grow. We have many examples in the Bible of people who were tested by God. We can look in Daniel 3 with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They're they're told, commanded to renounce their God or they'll be thrown into this raging flame. They refuse to reject God and so... They're thrown into this blazing fire that consumes even the men that threw them in. If we continue reading in that scripture, we know that God brings them out of that fire safely. They're completely unharmed, and all that were witness to it give praise and glory to God. We have Abraham who offered up his only son, believing that God would be able to raise him even from the dead and 
God spared his son and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not with, and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and sand which are on the seashore. We can look at Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31, and we can see how God interacts with Hezekiah. Hezekiah is presented with the uh, Babylonian envoys, and he shows them all that's in his house. In the Second Chronicles account, we can see that God withdraws from Hezekiah so that he may test him and see that all it is in his heart. We can look through Hebrews 11 and see many examples through the heroes of faith, and we can read and learn how all these were tried by God. And Hebrews 11:33 to 40 says it much better than I ever could. It just says, Those who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and flogging, and further, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, wandering in deserts on mountains, and sheltering in caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had something better for us, so they apart from us would not be made perfect. God tests us so that we may gain approval through our faith, so that we may stand steadfast in Him and His promises. He refines us and purifies us so that we may, so that we may be more acceptable and honorable vessel for Him. If we look at Psalm 91, verses 14 to 16, we are reminded that when we set our love upon Him, He will deliver us. It reminds us that when we call upon Him, that He will answer us. God will... Be with us in trouble, and he will deliver us and honor us. In verse 4 of this psalm, we are reminded that his truth will be our shield and buckler. God has provided all the tools we need to persevere and to endure. He has also provided the promise that if we do what he has commanded, then he will be there to guide us through and deliver us from whatever may afflict us. Psalm 94, verses 17 to 19, remind us that unless the Lord had been our help, our soul would have settled in silence. If we say, my foot slips, then God's mercy will hold us up. And in in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. We can look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. This is where um, Christ is walking out on the water. Peter and the disciples are on the boat, and they see him in the water. And Peter is terrified. He thinks they're seeing a ghost, and Christ... Um, says it is I, and Peter says, if it's you, call me out onto the water to you. So Christ does, he calls him out onto the water, and Peter begins walking on the water, but then he notices the waves and the wind around him. He becomes terrified, and here he is walking on water and becomes distracted by his environment. He begins to sink, and he cries for help from Christ, and Christ immediately reaches out his hand to him and pulls him out of the water. He saves him. But what does Christ say? He says, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He asks him. And when Jesus joins him on the boat, the wind ceases. 
I recently watched a, a video of a motivational speaker and he talked about how our brain is incapable of processing negative thoughts. He's, uh, um, he's talking to a crowd and he, he says to them, don't think of an elephant. And then, what did we all just do? We thought of that elephant. You can't tell the brain what not to do. He then made an example of skiers and he asked, do you ever wonder how skiers make it down the mountain, bobbing and weaving through, th- through trees, navigating this treacherous path? It'd be overwhelming and terrifying trying to navigate through them. And if you're a skier and you're going down this mountain and you're thinking, or all you're thinking is don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, avoid that tree, don't hit that tree, all you're seeing and focusing on is the trees. You can't possibly begin to comprehend how someone could ski and navigate through all of these trees as opposed to, as he says, follow the snow. Just follow the path and now all you see is the path. It's the same for us. If all we focus on is the obstacles, then all we will see is the obstacles. But if we focus on the path, then that's what we'll see. We'll see the way through it. It's literally perspective, he said. So are we looking for the trees, or are we following the path? Are we overwhelmed by each individual obstacle, or are we focusing on Christ and taking his hand that will guide us through? Now, this is a bit more of a a personal story. Um, Not many of you may know this, but I am a middle child. Um, I have an older sister and a younger sister. On December 23rd in 2007, my older sister Anna was in a car accident, and she passed away. Um, And I remember the pain, the shock, the distress and anxiety that my family and I went through. We were all asking why, why this happened. We were looking for answers, and we were looking for comfort. We had the support of family and friends, but it wasn't a true comfort. I remember at the time, um, someone that was visiting had gifted me a Bible. um, And I remember looking through it a a few times, kind of skimming through, but I didn't really turn to it. Recently, through recent events, my my mom had been helping us at the hospital. She had been bringing us meals, spending time with us, and um, she had discussed with Vanessa and I how during that time... um, it was interesting because we're surrounded with all this family and friends, and um, we had one particular set of friends who were Christian, and their congregation um, came together and they brought us meal and provided us help through that time, and that's what really stood out to us. Well, our friends and family comforted us. They kind of, as time went on, they got busy with their lives and they weren't able to help us as often. But the impact that those friends and their congregation had on us was resounding and and left an impression on us that we wouldn't really come to appreciate, or at least I wouldn't come to appreciate till just recently. Um, So, as I said, um, time went on. Um, We had friends, and they got busy with their lives, and they couldn't be there as often for us. We still had each other. I still had my parents. I still had my younger sister. I still had some close friends, um, but... As time went on, we were left more and more alone to deal with that loss. We managed, but that was it. These last two weeks since Shane's accident have been very different for me from then. I mean, of course, we've all had our moments of being scared and nervous, worried, anxious. We've all had our doubts. We've had moments of weakness, just a never-ending scope of emotions. But through all of it, we've had something to turn to that I didn't have before. I had something that I could lean on and find comfort in. 
This time, I have an immovable, unchanging source of truth, comfort, and peace through God. His word and his promise. I have been able to turn to God's word like I did for this study to find comfort. I have been able to turn to God in prayer to ask for strength, for comfort, for wisdom, for peace, for stillness, steadfastness, and so much more. I have been able to lay my burdens on God, and I have been able to ask Him to help me carry them. I have learned to know that God will be with me, guiding me by His hand through all of this to lead me out to rich fulfillment. I have found comfort knowing that God will not lay something on me that without His help I couldn't handle. I was reminded by God's word that I am to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that it produces patience. We are to allow patience to have its perfect work so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I was reminded that if I lack anything, that I am to look to God and ask of Him who gives generously and without reproach. I was reminded, as Paul was in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10, that God's grace is sufficient for me. For his strength is made perfect in weakness. In this letter, Paul gladly boasts in his weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in him. He delights in weaknesses and in insults, in distresses, persecutions, and difficulties on behalf of Christ. For when we are weak, then we are strong. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, we're reminded to humble ourselves under God so that he may exalt us at the proper time. Peter tells us to cast all all of our anxiety on him because he cares about us. We have been reminded over the last few weeks that we are to be sober-minded, alert, because our adversary, the devil, prowls around. We have been reminded to be firm in our faith so that we can resist him and push him away. We have been reminded that the same experiences of suffering have been accomplished by our brothers and sisters in faith. And I have been reminded that after we have suffered a while, that God, who called me to his eternal glory through Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish me. When my sister passed away, I knew of God. I believed in him, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I had no understanding. I didn't know that during the worst of hardships, he desires that I turn to him. He wants me to be, to humble myself and approach him with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He wants me to rely on him. With the help of his word, all of you and countless brethren and strangers around the country have been reminded that God is guiding me by his hand through this trial my family and I are facing. I've had to reach out to take his hand, but he has established me and has helped me make make me steadfast in spirit and rooted in him. I have had prayer and I have had the comfort knowing that even when I didn't know what to pray for, that the Holy Spirit would intercede for me, as we see in Romans 8. Verses 26 through 27. I had comfort knowing through God, knowing that even if things didn't turn out the way I wanted to, that ultimately God is in control. After all, his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than mine. I know that God is in control and that no matter what is happening, I need to look to him and walk towards him. And it's extremely difficult in the moment, but over these last few weeks, I've been humbled, I know, Vanessa and Denise and Grandma, we've all been humbled, and I'm sure everyone here has been, just by the, the outpour of support that we've received. And through all of this, I've had the chance to, to look at myself, and I've seen many areas in my service to God that 
I think are lacking. Um, I've seen things that I can improve on in order to be a more honorable vessel for God, a more complete and righteous servant. This experience has opened my eyes to so many things I can do to better serve Him and my fellow brethren. And it's not always a pleasant experience, but we must remember that whatever it is we go through, that God wants us to come out the other side purged, cleansed, refined. He wants us to change and to be made better and more fully equipped for every good work that he has prepared for us. It can be a tragic loss. It can be a sudden medical emergency. Or things can be going great. We can be going, we could be coasting through life and everything can be going as smoothly as they ever have gone, in the, like in the case of Hezekiah. From one extreme to the other, we are being tested and tried. God is putting us through his refining flame in order to purge us and produce a more righteous and honorable vessel. We know that God gave us free will, so what do we have to do to be a vessel that is worthy of being useful in the house of God? We must obey his voice, we must walk in his ways, and follow all that he has commanded us. And what has he commanded us? God has commanded that we repent and be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord and Savior. Now, this is something I've never said out loud, um, but the night that my sister passed away, she was spending time at my parents' house, and I was out with my cousin and a friend Christmas shopping. She called me the night before her accident and asked me to come home so I could spend time with my parents and her. Um, And I brushed her off. And I told her I'd be there in the morning. I can't tell you how deeply I regret not going home to see her. It's a call I wish I would have answered. Now, if you haven't been baptized, you have a much more important and serious call to answer. Christ is calling to you. He has prepared a place for you alongside his Father, our God in heaven. He wants you to answer this call, and he wants you to immerse yourself in living waters that will cleanse you of the old man and grant you eternal life in heaven with him. He's extending his arm out to you. Will you answer his call? If you are a Christian, but you are struggling, if you need prayers, if you need to confess a public sin, whatever it is, please come forward. Christ wants you to turn to him. He wants you to take his hand, and he wants to help you through Whatever your need may be, please come forward as we stand and sing.